the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, January the 13th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1733, James Oglethorpe, he and about 120 English colonists arrived in Charleston, South Carolina. They were en route to settle in present-day Georgia. Today in 1794, President George Washington approved a measure adding two stars and two stripes to the American flag. That was following the admission of Vermont and Kentucky to the Union. However, that the stripes thing didn't go over all that well, and the number of stripes was later reduced back to the original 13 for the colonies. And it remains that way. Today in 1941, a new law went into effect granting Puerto Ricans U.S. birthright citizenship. Today in 1992, Japan apologized for forcing tens of thousands of Korean women to serve as sex slaves for its soldiers during World War II. They cited newly uncovered documents that showed the Japanese army had had a role in abducting the so-called comfort women. You know, there's uh, it's interesting. I, I'm sure this is a part of that. I, I don't know what all is involved here, but as lately as in my lifetime, adult lifetime, um, I spent a lot of time in in Korea and working with, well, the largest church in the world is there in Seoul, and the Christian church. And um, I got to know a lot of Korean people. I mean, I, I knew them well and have contact in, even in later years more recently. And there was a real resistance to Japan in Korea. And I mean, it was visible. And I'm talking about among the Christians. I know when the the church in Seoul, 700,000 members, I think it has, I was often a guest speaker there, I mean, a number of times. And I know in one missionary service that they had, they gave a lot of money to missions to outreach around the world, and still do. And um, in one of the missionary services... There was a call for people who to ask the Lord, who felt called to become a missionary, if they would feel called to go to Japan as a Christian missionary. And in a church of that size, no one felt the call. I, I Later they did, in, in complete transparency here. But initially, in that mission service, not a person, who felt called to become a missionary, felt called to become one in Japan. Um, maybe this is part of that. I don't know. But it's interesting how human dynamics play out in everyday life and even in our faith. Today in 2000, Microsoft Chairman Bill Gates, he stepped aside as chief executive and promoted company president Steve Ballmer to the position. I think Steve's moved on now, hasn't he? Yeah, I think so. Bought himself a sports team and all of that kind of thing. President President Biden just just uh, like five minutes ago 
uh, we're originating at 9 o'clock this morning. We do every morning live, as you know. Some of you are listening to this program a little bit later. It's delayed a, a few hours, uh, but it's it's current every day. And so I'm at a few minutes after 9, I'm saying this this morning. President Biden just completed his speech, what was called um, his um, <laughs> election overhaul speech i think he, i think that's what they were calling it but man the re- response to that is well it's humiliating and it should give pause to somebody in the democrat party i mean it's unbelievable the the uh, the social media networks the the various people that have up you know live chat type stuff online it is just burning up people are are just fit to be tied over what some of the things he's saying. And again, I haven't had time to analyze this. He, he was he just completed about, I don't know, five, 10 minutes ago. But the press secretary, Saki, is calling all of these criticism of Biden's speech hilarious. And she's laughing, kind of like Kamala Harris. And she said, oh, it's hilarious. They said, what do you think of all the criticism that the president is getting about his speech, even as he's giving it? And she starts laughing and laughing. She said, oh, it's hilarious. She denied, and one one reporter, and these guys are on his team, or they have been, one reporter asked, how do you feel, how does the president feel about having lost control of COVID? And she denied that, of course, said it didn't. Ted Cruz slammed the podium. He said, these reporters aren't even asking hard questions or normal questions. And they're, they're not, for the most part. They're protecting, of course, the president because he's one of them. But the press secretary, Saki, she said that Biden has saved Christmas. She said we should give him some credit for this. And on and on it goes. And when a couple of hard questions came to her, she just dodged the criticism and deflected to, you know who, Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the escape hatch every single time. What are they going to do when Donald Trump, if he doesn't run for president, and there is a pretty, I, I would guess, a pretty good chance that he's going to. He's acting like that. In fact, Lindsey Graham this morning, he came out and said he put some doubt on Senator Mitch McConnell's future in the Senate because Graham has a lot of influence. He said this morning, he said, any future Republican congressional leader must, I'm quoting him, have a working relationship with President Donald Trump, which surprised me a little bit. I mean, I knew he supported Trump, but sometimes he's disagreed with him as well. But Graham said he's the most consequential Republican since Ronald Reagan. It's his domination if he wants it, and I think he'll get reelected in 2024. Graham said he then emphasized that his support of McConnell to be the leader of the Republicans in the Senate. He said that would be conditioned on his working relationship with Trump. You'll hear about this. It'll be criticized, but you'll hear about it. But he went on to say this, Graham. He said, I like Senator McConnell. He worked well with President Trump to get a bunch of judges, including three Supreme Court justices on the bench. They got the tax cuts passed and working, uh, working together. But here's the question. Can Senator McConnell effectively work with the leader of the Republican Party, Donald Trump? 
I'm not going to vote for anybody that can't have a working relationship with President Trump to, uh, to be a team, to come up with an America first agenda to show the difference between us and liberal Democrats, prosecute the case for Trump's policies. He said, I'm not going to vote for anybody for leader of the Senate as a Republican unless they can prove to me that they can advocate an American first kind of an agenda and have a working relationship with President Trump, because if you don't do that, you will fail. Graham is not the only Republican who is saying that, but he is by far the most consequential one that is doing that. Maybe that's why... (laughs) Maybe that's why McConnell came out with... It wasn't very forceful but compared to others, but it was the most forceful speech I have ever seen him give a few days ago. Maybe it was politically driven as much as ideologically driven. But he came out, he did this speech, and he just scorched the president about all of his policies, and he talked about how he's lying to the American public and everything. I'd never heard McConnell talk like that. Now I know why. Senator Lindsey Graham's probably pushing the buttons there and saying, we're going to become more Republican or else. I don't know that he's advocating for Trump to be the candidate in the 2024 election, the Republican candidate. Maybe he is, but I don't know that. But I do know that he's putting a lot of pressure on McConnell and on the Senate. And he's a guy that has enough um, equity, (laughs) to use their word, in the Senate to put pressure on people. He's been there a long time, and he has a lot of, as I said, a lot of influence. So we'll see how all that plays out. I read a sad article this morning. I wanted to just pass it along to you. An Illinois school district is defending after-school program that is being offered by the Satanic Temple. A national religious and human rights group, they say. The Satanic Temple. We've talked about that. I've talked about it on this program before. The Satanic Temple claims to not believe in Satan on their website. Talk about telling lies. They're one-upping even the lies of the left. Even the lies. And some of the things that President Biden said are not true. But this is the ultimate lie here. Many parents are furious today, this morning. Over these meetings, they're going to be held at Jane Addams Elementary School in Moline, 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 Illinois. They start today after school. As we speak, there are parents working to try to stop this thing. They're not going to let their kids go, but some of the kids are going to go, and some of the kids stay at school after school on an after-school program till their parents pick them up. They don't have to have parental authority or parental permission to go to this thing. Well, the Satanic Temple is saying that they don't believe in Satan. They have, as the logo, they have a picture of Satan, the traditional devil picture with horns and, you know, and a pitchfork and, I mean, gross, you know, kind of a thing. But (laughs) they say they're not trying to attempt to convert children to Satanism. But this session is called, and there are kids coming to it today, just in a matter of a few hours. They say it's called After School with Satan. Boy, I'll tell you, these parents are upset. Um, As I said, meetings begin today, and the meetings are for grades 1 through 5. They were, it isn't just in Illinois 
my friends. It is here in the Northwest as well. In fact, an elementary school in Tacoma, Washington, that's when I talked about this. They created their own uh, club, and they were doing the same thing. It was 2016. I remember it well. And uh, we talked about it. In fact, the newspaper called me and said, you know, this isn't really about Satan. You're mischaracterizing this and everything. I said, no, I'm not. And I was very direct with them. They didn't quote me. I mean, they quoted me, but it wasn't of any (laughs) consequence. It was just in a negative light as some kind of a kook way out on the right somewhere. I mean, that's how they cast me. But that's fine. I don't care about that. But the point is that they're doing this around, around the nation. And they're doing so quietly. And parents get outraged, but they do so in a bubble of their own locality. And so you don't hear about it nationally. But this thing in Tacoma started out. It was a satanic club. Same thing. It was a Point Defiance Elementary School in Tacoma, 2016. So they went ahead with this thing, and they had it there. And a lot of people uh, responded. And I I got as much uh, publicity out of it as I could so I could tell parents. That was my agenda tell parents about it, and a lot of them really (laughs) came down on the school. Well, the the News Tribune, the Tacoma News Tribune, reported uh, the next year after that, they reported that the club had closed due to lack of resources. That may have been, but I also know for a fact because I know some of the parents who did, I mean, by name at least, they they were in contact with us. They also, I think, were ushered out the back door because I don't think that Tacoma School, Point Defiance, was prepared for the response they got from the parents. I'm not taking credit for it. I'm just simply reporting to you that's what happened. There were a lot of people who were upset about it and talking about it. I was one of them. So it... Just we have to be vigilant and we have to be informed. And our founding fathers said Thomas Jefferson spoke to this and others that if we're not informed, we, we will cease to become a nation. We will cease to be consequential as a nation or as a person, as a community, a city, a, a state, a county, whatever. And that's the kinds of things that we're facing today that the left has figured out how to manage us in the sense of, and it was happening following uh, President Biden's speech today. There were there were lies woven throughout that, and as I said, he just finished talking a few minutes ago, and but they'll they'll come out in the conservative news. I mean, they're analyzing them now, and they'll be publishing them here within the next hour or so. But he was just saying things that aren't true, but he was saying some things that are true. And so they weave this together, and it is very, very deceptive. And that's what we're dealing with in the world, but in our nation and in our communities today. Satan presents himself as an angel of light, but he is a destructive force that is ungodly in every way. And we're seeing that played out, unfortunately, with our children. Parents are being misled, particularly by this critical race theory. Even now in Republican-led states, North Carolina parents are upset, as they should be. Now that they've found out and they've learned that the state board in their state, North Carolina, 
approved using a $7 million federal preschool handicap grant to push critical race theory into the school system and into the minds of disabled three-year-olds. I've double and triple checked this. I could not believe this when I saw it. And I'm not even a parent or grandparent with a kid in that school, for sure. But if this can happen in a state that is led by Republicans, it can happen anywhere. Just because you elect Republicans to office, it doesn't mean you no longer need to pay close attention, like being informed and discerning and vigilant and engaged. We always say that on the article that we write every day because we've got to be informed and discern, discerning and vigilant and engaged. We've got to be. And we've got to be prayerful. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15, I'm reading from the New King James this morning. Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. It's interesting. Keep that in mind as we talk about a little bit about this thing in North Carolina. We should show up. We must show up for the battles. But don't let it overwhelm you in your community when you see these things coming to pass. And remember that we are called to participate and be participants and be engaged and be informed. We've got to be. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't. We wouldn't be having this conversation today. I'd be playing golf with my old, friend, uh, my over forty friends, somewhere maybe. But it's so important that we remember the battle is not yours and mine, but God's. But He has called us to be participants with Him, and we have that responsibility to show up. Boy, this thing in North Carolina, it's a tale of some well-intentioned politicians. In some cases, I think, I looked into it pretty deeply. Some who are not. They're simply not telling the truth. Some Republicans. And a group of activists that are obsessed with pushing this critical race theory, it's a destructive ideology, it's satanic. They're obsessed with pushing it into the school district, and that's not just there, it's out here in the West and in the Northwest. And right where you believe and live. It's a destructive ideology. And now they're putting this on the minds of disabled three-year-old kids with federal dollars. The Heritage Foundation has published a, an in-depth research paper on critical race theory, its origins, its intent, the complete study that it takes about an hour to read. No, don't turn off the radio. I'm not going to go through it. I don't have an hour. But I have put it in an article that I wrote, wrote today. And if you go to our website, faithandfreedom.us, you'll see that if you go there today. The first thing you'll see will be the article that I'm talking about right now. And I put a link in there to this. And I, I know I, I, I'm just telling you up front, it's, it's kind of long. I don't want to scare you off and have you not learned. I really would like for every parent or grandparent to read this or at least scan it or read part of it. It's really well done. It's a brief, there, there's a brief overview at the front of it. I'm going to share some of that with you, but I would, it would really 
be helpful to all parents if they had some grasp of this critical race theory because it's rooted really in there's an evolution of it but it's really rooted in cultural marxism i mean that is the basis for it but in the in the brief overview from this longer article that you can find as i said it's linked on on what i wrote today but critical race theory makes race the prism from which its proponents analyze all aspects of American life, much like we as Christians make the Bible, God's truth, God's word, our prism. We look through that and we see everything else. That's called a biblical worldview. They do so with a degree of persistence that has helped CRT impact all of American life. They're committed to this. It's evangelical in, in one sense. It underpins identity of politics, it's an ongoing effort to reimagine, their word, the United States as a nation riven by groups, each with specific claims on victimization. If you're gay, you were born that way, and you're a victim. If you were black, you were born that way, and you're a victim. If you are Asian, or what, it doesn't matter what you are, but they categorize people, they put us into groups, and then each one becomes a project or a victim. That's what this is about, and that's what they teach kids. And all of the evil in the world is put in a bag. I'm summarizing an hour here in, about, in a couple of minutes. But everything is put in a bag, and it's called, it's called a various you know, titles, but it's called white supremacists. They've even called black guys white supremacists. Larry Elder is a black guy. I haven't met him, but I, I have friends who know him very well. But um, he ran for governor in in the attempt to replace Newsom in California recently. He was called by the left. I mean, man, he's black. He talks about it. He laughs about it. He's a conservative to the core. He's a Christian. And he's smart as a whip. He's a lawyer. And he he was saying this. He was quoting it. They were calling him a white supremacist. And he said, I don't know if these people are that stupid or if they're just that confident. And they pulled it off. Newsom is riding high in the governor's chair. But that's what this is all about, is categorizing, labeling everybody. While they do that, they are out there with their blowhorn telling everybody, you can't be racist. And that is this is the most racist movement since the Ku Klux Klan that was born out of the Democrat Party, as you probably know. So that's what this is, excuse me, that's what this is all about. The Daily Wire is one of the few news organizations that's reported on this. When parents began realizing what was happening in their schools, this guy named Sloan Rockmuth, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, he's president of a group that's called uh, Education First Alliance. He told the press, he said, preying on disabled three-year-old children, getting them to participate in a political movement and to hate themselves based on skin color in the process shows our public schools to be more morally corrupt than all the others. And with this vote, he said, talking about the vote to approve and to accept this $7 million grant, it came through the University of North Carolina, one of their institutes there, got the grant from the federal government, from President Biden's people, and it came to them, and then they offered it to this school uh, to indoctrinate, basically, these three-year-old 
disabled kids in the state school system. During the program's identity module, teachers have been told, and I'm looking at some of the slides from this, they've been told that whiteness affects everything outside the classroom, and the goal of the pre-K is to deconstruct whiteness for all students. Do these people, have they ever even had kids? Do they understand? We've had three kids. We have three kids. They're adults now and parents. I don't remember when they were three years old that I could have somehow taught them to deconstruct anything other than sometimes my office or my desk or the dinner table. But they're going to, they're telling these kids how to deconstruct whiteness for all students. Deconstructing whiteness, they explain, is challenging whiteness and building skills to be accountable to people of color. That's what they're teaching in your public schools with your dollars, your tax dollars. This $7 million grant came from the federal government, as I said. It came through a special ed program through the University of North Carolina to the public school system in the state. One of the teaching slides, and again, I'm looking right at this stuff while I'm I'm explaining it to you. One of the teaching slides says teachers should help preschoolers with building racial identity and encourage the children to question social, scientific, and historical facts. We want children to question whether the information is true. Well, they're questioning it to someone who is an advocate for what is not true. North Carolina has a Republican-dominated legislature. Its state superintendent, Catherine Truitt, she's a Republican, yet critical race theory is overtaking the state, perhaps even more so than in some blue states or Democrat-controlled states. The Daily Wire says this happened because politicians are generally involved at high-level policy stage, whereas the devil often resides in the details, which are often implemented by the staff, consultants, and activists. That's true. I've watched this happen over the years. They make a point of it, and they give us several uh, examples of how this happened. But that's true. People at the top sometimes are so overwhelmed with their workload, they've got staff that they trust or kind of trust, and these guys are moving an agenda forward. It happens in elected office all the time. You elect XYZ to go represent you in Congress, and she or he has this big staff, and they may not at all be complicit to or committed to what this person got elected on as far as their beliefs. And so these guys are pushing a very different agenda. It happens often. I mean, people in elected office have told me this. But a video of the of a, meet, a state board education meeting showed that, that somebody tried to ask some direct questions about this, and staff took over and just said, oh, no, that's not the way it is. You don't understand. It's very, very uh, complicated, but we have worked through this, and no, this is blah, blah, blah. That's the way this works. I'm a simple man, but that's the way it works. There's Dr. Nancy Anderson. She's a North Carolina leader of this organization called No Left Turn in Education. She really went off on this. God bless her. And she's um, she's gonna, she's going to stay on it. And so I don't know her, but I'm very impressed with her. And she said, hiding this contra- uh, controversial ma- material after questions from the public were raised revealed the corrupt and ideological intentions behind these trainings. Well, Enough said. I know where she's going with that, and may God help her and bless her. But electing Republicans isn't always good enough. 
Remember what Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.